Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Ethical claims on food and beverages sold in the U.S. are almost as ubiquitous as the Nutrition Facts Panel. And while they're not legally mandated by FDA like nutritional information, some manufacturers might feel like they're just as obligatory given the sales boost and brand loyalty they inspire. Now, ethical claims can cover everything from small prompts to recycling packaging to buy one, give one schemes and claims that a product will help save the rainforest or pay farmers higher prices. And while all of these are noteworthy causes, the ethical claim that leads the pack in the U.S. is kosher. According to Euromonitor, the U.S. kosher label market was worth $118 billion in 2015, which is higher than the omnipresent recycle label, which was worth $114 billion, and the all-natural label, which was $25 billion in sales in the same time period. Given the size of the kosher pie, it's no wonder that more and more companies are seeking out kosher certification and making related claims. According to Mintel, 40% of new products launched in 2014 made kosher claims, which is up steadily from 36.3% the year before and 26.8% the year before that. But what's behind this consumer interest in kosher claims and what does it take to become certified? To find out, I chatted with Rabbi Menachem Ganek, who is the CEO of OU, or Orthodox Union, Kosher. He also straightened out a few misconceptions about kosher certification and digged deeper into the marketing potential of kosher certification, as well as discussed how kosher certification is evolving with the times and can help companies meet other emerging trends, such as gluten-free and clean label. To start off, he explained OU Kosher certifies close to 1 million products, including many ingredients that are the building blocks of finished products. He also said this number is growing fast for several reasons. Many companies you know, see the OU as a marketing uh, advantage, that it represents not only the, you know, the parochial market in terms of kosher Jews, but also people who have other considerations why they look for an OU symbol, for example. They may be, for dietary reasons, they may be lactose intolerant, and they want to see whether the product is dairy or not. Uh, A simple OU generally means that that there are no dairy ingredients, or if it has the, it it says OU PAV. PAV means that it's neutral, neither meat nor nor dairy. Um, And we have to realize that that's a huge market. Most most um, Orientals, Chinese, uh, are lactose intolerant. Um, lactose intolerance actually is, is, is very common in, in the Jewish population as well. But so that's just an example of, a, of another market beyond the kosher market. Um, people for diet, for their own religious dietary requirements, for example, Seventh-day Adventists or Muslims will sometimes be looking to the OU in, because some of these regulations, religious regulations, dovetail in th- these different religious communities, um, then you know, then there's the notion that somehow OU represents a, a higher standard, um, sort of like the Hebrew National Act, you know, with the, the spans to a higher authority. 
Um, some of that is true, some of it is not, but there is that perception out there. Um, some people are more comfortable to know that there's an inspector who's going in another set of eyes looking at the plant. So um, there are lots of reasons that people might be looking, or companies might be looking for an OU symbol. Building on these consumer perceptions of kosher, Ganak also clarified two major misconceptions about the certification. But one of the basic industrial misconceptions that some consumers are, kosher has nothing to do with a rabbi coming and blessing the food and the plant. Not, not at all related to that at all. Okay, one misconception, an economic misconception is some people, I mean, some of this, have, this have, have the notion, part of it is, you know, started in the 1950s with uh, anti-Semitic groups, that somehow kosher is like a kosher tax. In fact, in uh, products that have, um, you know, have kosher supervision, there's an argument to be made that they're, they're less expensive because companies, the, the amount of kosher, cost of kosher supervision is, is, is quite small. And uh, they do it to obviously increase their, their market share and, and the amount of product that they're selling. So one could argue if they sell more product their, their fixed costs now are spread over a, a greater range of products, so it should, the, the per, per unit cost should drop. But of course, it's, it's the, the, the numbers are just tiny, so it would really, you wouldn't be marginally noticeable, but it's certainly not a kosher tax. So what exactly is kosher? The co- kosher rules, are, the fundamental rules, are biblical rules. In Leviticus, and in the Bible, there are kosher regulations. Just in terms of on a conceptual basis, in, in the, the, Judaism believes that one achieves holiness, or not only in, in the esoteric, but in simply in, in discipline and in, in daily activities. And the most, most fundamental of those is simply what we eat. So the Bible regulates what kind of for example, what kind of food we can eat, um, it, it, only certain species of of animals are considered kosher. The most famous one that's not is, is pig, and even kosher species, whether it be cattle or sheep um, or, or poultry, have to be slaughtered in a specific way, um, which is and which is intended also to be as painless as possible. Um, it, it, kosher slaughter involves um, cutting the trachea and the esophagus and also cuts the jugular veins so that the animal becomes insensate very quickly. Um, so so a bit, the, the regulation of kosher of food has to do with what the ingredients are. And so certain ingredients, for example, um, um, obviously, as I said, you know, meat is, is extremely sensitive but other things as well. One of the regulations is not to have meat and milk joined together. You can't cook them together. And therefore, that's why it's important to know what the designation is, whether it's a dairy product or not a dairy product. Um, and, and then there's special regulations that don't apply outside the land of Israel, but certain regulations that are specific to the land of Israel in terms of tithing of certain produce that grows within the land of Israel. So there, there, there are many regulations. As a matter of fact, somebody's a student of rabbinical ordination, one of the basic tomes that he has to study deals with these laws of, of kosher. And uh, 
most of the laws of kosher have to do with what, what the ingredient is. Some of them um, have to do with the means of production. Um, for example, I mentioned meat, the means of production in terms of how it's slaughtered, uh, wine or grape juice, how it's produced, um, uh, cheese in terms of the, the, the production itself in a special way. But, um, but generally speaking, it's, it's a function of controlling what the ingredients are. One other thing that's important in terms of kosher regulation is it's not only the ingredient, also um, the equipment, if it's used hot, has to be segregated and used only for, for kosher use. And if it's used otherwise, it has to be kosherized, which is usually done by purging it without water. That's sort of a very, very general overview. While kosher is grounded in religion, as indicated at the start of our conversation, there are many reasons that consumers, and by extension, brands are coming to the certification. In fact, Ganak notes that 80% of U.S. consumers who buy kosher products are outside of the traditional Jewish market. With such broad consumer appeal, certifying products as kosher makes good business sense. And as Ganak notes, it isn't as arduous as some other certifications. In terms of the process of becoming supervised uh, or certified, first we, we, we make sure that all the ingredients are kosher. If there are certain ingredient changes that have to be made, um, you know, they, they have to be made to make sure that all the ingredients on the production line are kosher. And then um, there's a, a supervisory schedule in terms of which um, we send inspectors who, to inspect to make sure that everything is being done in, in accordance with the contract. These inspections are made unannounced. That the, um, the, the number of inspections is really a function of how uh, sensitive the product is, kosher-wise. So um, the frequency is really a function of how sensitive the, the product is. For example, if it's a meat product, which in terms of halacha, Jewish law, kosher law is extremely sensitive. So it would require probably full-time supervision all the time. Um, so if, but if it's, if it's you know, a, a cookie company that we know that everything they do, and if they're producing, if they do producing kosher and non-kosher in the same plant, which is rare, most of the plants we're dealing with are all kosher, but if that would be the case, we would require constant supervision, inspectors there all the time to make sure that there's no intermingling. But if that's not the case, it's a company that's using, you know, running based on the, the schedule of their ingredients, which we're, which we're aware of when we come to inspect, it would, it would be something in the range of a monthly visit. If it's something more innocuous, it, would, it could be less than that. OU is even willing to send inspectors around the world to help companies that want to be kosher certified navigate an increasingly global supply chain. When I first came to the OU, a lot, of, a lot of companies were using domestic ingredients and their source of supply were primarily American. But for reasons of price or simply you know, resources, getting the material what we, and just the, nat the change in the global economy, companies are looking for, for sources throughout the globe. As an example, sodium caseinate, which is a milk protein, Used to be sodium case in America has a strong agricultural economy. You'd get it from American sources. Um, dairy industry in America is strong. But now the companies are going 
to the, literally to the ends of the world, either because they, because you know to to focus a supply or price to get products, and therefore we send the person to Tibet, the roof of the world, to supervise yak milk production, which is done specifically to get sodium casein. So that's one large change, is and that's the result of the global economy, um, and. I don't see that abating, you know, even though this, you know, the, Bush, the uh, Trump administration may speak about it. But the interconnection, for example, now there are just American companies are going to the Far East. There, there are lots of plants in China that are producing ingredients, like many other things. And, um, and that, that was one large change for us because it required setting up a supervisory system, not only in the United States, but sending people to inspect plants in China and other places around the globe. Kosher certification can also help companies tap into other emerging trends, including the gluten-free and clean label movements. Ganak explained that many people seeking gluten-free products also look for products that are certified as kosher for Passover because they know that these products, unless they're made with matzah, will be gluten-free. In order to be kosher for Passover, they're not going to have any, any grain in it, any, any of the five grains, so, um, which is wheat, barley, spelt, um, and others. So I see people buying up, even though they're not, they're not, they're not even made, made Jewish, but they're buying kosher for Passover product because they know that it's gluten-free during that season. Um, some people will buy Coca-Cola over that period of time if it's the kosher um, you know, OUP kosher for Passover one because they're using a different sweetener, so they're not using, um, you know, a, a corn syrup. And if those, if they're sensitive to corn, they'll 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 be, you know, buying at that time. Similarly, Ganak explained that the clean label movement shares the basic tenet of transparency with kosher certification. The clean label movement, which really, I mean, it's it's a pretty broad, uh, you know, I mean, it means different things to different people, but essentially, it's 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 especially for millennials, so they're looking for transparency. Um, you know, for example, organic, they, uh, how things are produced, um, GMO. I think really GMO was the, really the beginning of this. So, I mean, the OU in terms of in terms of our own policy. We're very transparent in terms of what the definition is in terms of kosher. Consumers will call and they'll ask if it's if they want to know, especially in terms of dairy, what is the dairy status? Different products. I think the most most often asked question at the OU is, you know, the um, OU cookie bears an OUD symbol, not just the regular OU. The reason it's OUD is because sometimes it's produced on dairy equipment, but actually has no dairy ingredients in it. So consumers will call just to know what the, the dairy status is. Is, is, it, is dairy equipment, or is it, is, does it have any dairy ingredients, which makes differences to consumers either for health reasons or for in terms of kosher law for them. Um, so while we're not directly involved in the, you know, the um, clean label movement, but we're sympathetic to it because we, we, we associate ourselves with that kind of a philosophy or culture in terms of complete transparency. 
Well, almost any company would love to be able to access this many megatrends and consumer groups with a simple certification. The reality is that businesses have to look out for their bottom lines and consider the cost of certifying. In that regard, Gnex says that most companies can achieve certification for less than $9,000, and he added 93% of the first-time OU Kosher certified companies will certify additional products after realizing sales increases directly attributed to the OU Kosher symbol on their packaging. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and will join us again next week for another installment. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.